0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is labyrinths. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
1: And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, my first question is, why labyrinths? <laughs> Because they're awesome. Well, yeah, but I don't think of them as particularly (laughs) religious.
0: Well, labyrinths, not the movie, per se. We'll get that out there. The movie is awesome, and folks can enjoy it. And we're talking about labyrinths that are used as a spiritual discipline. Mm. People might be familiar with one in particular that is in the cathedral in Chartres, France. And it's a specific design that can be found recreated all around the world Okay, and is even available on things like labyrinths that you can hold in your hand okay. or have printed. But there's a whole lot of different designs and a whole lot of different ways that they can be used. We're talking about them right now because we are pondering and dreaming and imagining a way to put together a labyrinth in our church's parking lot for Lent.
1: Oh my, this sounds Complicated and amazing at the same time.
0: (laughs) The difference is that this is something that would just be on the pavement. Okay. A lot of folks may not know if you're not familiar at all with labyrinths as a spiritual practice. I am not. They can just be drawn on the ground or even laid out with rocks.
1: Okay. Let's start here for those of us like me who are completely unfamiliar, apparently. What is the difference between a maze and a labyrinth? because they're interchangeable in my mind.
0: Totally. So a maze, if you're thinking like a corn maze, Mm -hmm. right, or a hedge maze, Mm -hmm. those are designed so that you have dead ends and it's like a mystery in finding your way through it. Labyrinths are completely different. Labyrinths only have one path. Okay. And if you stay on that path and you don't cross the boundaries. You don't cross over into other places.
1: You don't scoot through the hedge someplace.
0: Right, exactly. And you just keep following the pathway. It leads you to the center.
1: So there's no wrong answer with the labyrinth is what you're telling me.
0: Correct. You just follow the pathway in and it leads you all the way to the center. And the point of that, depending upon the design, you might double back on your pathway. Mm -hmm. You might kind of pass by where you've been before or have short little areas where you're kind of staying in the same quadrant and then have a long wandering all the way around the outer circle. So if you continue to follow that pathway all the way around and just stick to it, it leads you directly into that center spot. And then the objective is to pause and rest and reflect upon maybe the journey in and then you follow that pathway all the way back out again. So like, for example, in the movie, The Labyrinth, yeah, spoiler, there's a moment where she dives through basically a hedge. Oh, she cheats? Like you're thinking of. She thinks that she's going to cheat because she's talking to a creature with no arms. So she doesn't actually interpret what he's saying rightly. And so she steps off of the pathway. And then it becomes a maze. Okay. If she had just stayed on the original pathway, it would lead her directly to the center because a labyrinth leads you to that center point.
1: So I'm guessing it's the journey itself
0: that is the point of a labyrinth? Precisely.
1: Does the length of the journey matter?
0: I don't think so. I think that the different designs might impact in different ways, depending upon how you're feeling. Just doing a spiral that is going to take you from an outer spiral all the way into a center, which is a perfectly appropriate valid labyrinth, labyrinth. Totally. But that experience of an ever circling inward and circling your objective over and over and over again and becoming closer and closer and closer to it until you reach it is very different than, for example, the Chartres Cathedral labyrinth, where you will enter in and see where you're headed and then take this very circuitous journey that wraps you around and moves you through and takes you close and then far away. It's a vastly different experience of coming at your objective, the center, from very different pathways.
1: Are we talking something like you imagine a hedge maze where you're in a space or are we talking something like the yellow brick road where you're seeing a path on the floor?
0: Most often like the yellow brick road that you're seeing a path on the floor. Okay. So these are oftentimes painted or created on the ground in such a way that you can look over and see the whole thing. Okay. And you just choose to stay on the pathway. There's a reproduction of the Chartres Cathedral labyrinth in Grace Episcopal Cathedral in San Francisco. Okay, And it's a large one. You can make them in different sizes. It's just whatever amount of space you have available to you to have a circular or an oval space to make this happen. But theirs is rather large. But still, if you have enough people on the labyrinth at the same time, you might come across someone who is on their way out of the labyrinth, as you are going into the labyrinth. Mm -hmm. And so you can greet one another and then pass by one another. And so you don't have to like shimmy next to each other in the midst of a hedge, right? You just Mm -hmm. step off the path for a moment and step back onto the path or they step off of the path for a moment and step back onto the path. It's all part of the give and take of sharing a labyrinth space. If you happen to be sharing it clearly during the pandemic, (laughs) We will be asking people to be utilizing the labyrinth one at a time, or if they are in a small group, that it be with their family only, Mm -hmm. or their household only.
1: So when did you first come across the labyrinth, barring the movie?
0: Yeah, the movie was the first one that I had, and I never understood, like, the whole, well, if you kept going on down that way, you would have reached the middle in no time. Now I get it. Mm -hmm. But I... Experienced my first labyrinth in the Bay Area. So, when I got to the Bay for seminary mm-hmm. in the year 2000, I was told about a congregation in Danville, California that I should go check out. Okay. Called Peace Lutheran. They became my home church that I did my candidacy through, and I did my teaching parish work there. And they had a labyrinth in their churchyard. And so the first time I went to church there on a Sunday morning, I walked out and found their labyrinth and thought, wow, this is cool. What do I do? I guess I walked to the middle. doop. Look, there's the middle. Look, I did it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And had a long way before I ever encountered the labyrinth as more than just a walking path.
1: Yeah, that's about all I would ever assume it would be.
0: And it was a fine walking path for taking phone conversations and those kinds of things, because I am a pacer when I take a phone conversation. And it's all about how you enter into it and how you choose to encounter it. If you choose to stay on your phone or you choose to have a conversation or you choose to continue to hold on to all of the worries of the world as you do it, then those things will stay with you it is also an opportunity for a different kind of spiritual practice where you can intentionally take time to say, I am leaving outside of the labyrinth these specific things so that I can enter in in a different way. And then walk in and try and be as present as you are able in that moment, knowing that there's nowhere else for you to be or for you to do, nothing else to do, But that if you needed to, you could just turn around and walk out of it. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to follow the path out. There's nothing stopping you. You're not trapped in it. It's not a maze. There's no dead ends. You can always leave. But the ability to take the journey and allow yourself the meditative practice of it, it can be phenomenally powerful.
1: Does it have to be something that was specifically designed as a labyrinth? Or could you use something like a trail trail? In Forest Park, or I keep thinking of when we would go up to the top of cathedrals in Europe or anything that you could walk up to, you have that path to get to a destination and then you come back down.
0: Oh, that's a beautiful idea. I love that. I think that that's a lovely concept, that once you begin to embrace this concept Mm -hmm. of following the path to a center and experiencing the journey— and then letting yourself be in that center for some time with whatever it is that you're contemplating and then follow the journey back out into the world again. I think it could absolutely count as a labyrinth.
1: How else would somebody make their own if they wanted to?
0: There are so many different ways. So you could make one even just on paper, right? You could download one online and you could print it out and then you follow it with your finger. Okay, and allow yourself that meditative practice by using a finger labyrinth, they're called.
1: When you first mentioned chart, I was wondering if it was something that was in the stained glass windows.
0: But oh, apparently it's not. It's not. It's on the ground. But it would make a beautiful stained glass window. Mm-hmm. It's very similar when you look at the pattern of the Chartres Cathedral labyrinth. You might be reminded of like rose windows. Okay. The center of it is very similar. The center of that particular style has almost like a flower to it. So people could be in little alcoves together.
1: Mm -hmm. I was also picturing mandalas in my head.
0: Very similar. Okay. Mm -hmm. Only in that particular one doesn't have a completely geometric repetition Mm -hmm. because of the way that it takes you to unexpected places. But there are entire societies, entire club groups... About building labyrinths, using them, spiritual practices, how to facilitate the experience of a labyrinth and being a labyrinth facilitator. Some folks have them on canvas so that they can transport them to different sites. Oh, interesting. Facilitate. Yeah. It's really cool. I think the one that we will probably create at Central, if we're able to do this, we're going to use, you know, the spray paint that you use when you're doing like locates or something in Mm -hmm. your neighborhood. We're going to get some spray paint like that to spray on the parking lot. So it'll come off in however long across Lent, depending upon how rainy it is. Mm -hmm. But it's a non-permanent kind of addition. And it will likely be a fairly simple spiral. Mm -hmm. But there are lots of instructions online you can look up, like how do I create a labyrinth? And you can go out and just Put stakes in, measure it out, and then take rope and tie the rope to the stakes to make your labyrinth space. And then you could put rocks down around where those ropes lead so that then you could have it on the ground and take the ropes out if you want. Okay. I've heard of some places making them out of Christmas lights. Sure. So you can do it at night if you wanted to. You can be as imaginative as you wish. Is the point
1: to have places along the way that you stop and think about things or contemplating things or prayers to say, or is it really the journey to the middle and then the journey back out?
0: In my experience, it's been about the journey to the middle and the journey on the way out. Okay. But I will say that I have a couple of labyrinth memories that are pretty powerful in my experience. And one of them that was really... Very, very memorable, kind of a visceral memory. We had taken a confirmation group to San Francisco Bay Area. It was something my first call we did. We took the kids to the Bay Area for like a week and a half and did all kinds of different activities. And one of the things we did was visit Grace Cathedral. And in this particular year, (laughs) the crew had found somewhere along the line a stuffed husky from Build-A-Bear. Okay, It was just found, discovered along the way. So this dog became our mascot. And we ended up at the cathedral walking the labyrinth together. Mm -hmm. And there might have been, maybe there were five or six students and two or three chaperones. And so there were a lot of us on the labyrinth. And we ended up, whenever we would come across one another in the labyrinth, passing the dog. (laughs) But it became not just like, ha-ha, pass the dog. It came like, I see you. I see you on this journey. You're a part of my community. We share an understanding. And as we were all taking this journey at completely different rates, you know, our youngest student was like 5,000 miles an hour all the time. Mm -hmm. And so he was into the middle and out again before I had even made it through like halfway into the middle. (laughs) Right? And so honoring the different paces, but being on the journey together and being on the same pathway together and having that connection where we would pass things to one another, it was really fabulous. So your question about, is it about doing things along the way? Mm -hmm. In that experience, it was. Most of my labyrinth experiences have been solo journeys. Mm -hmm. It's been a quiet introverts delight to be able to walk the labyrinth because it's about me doing my thing on my own that instance it was very much a community experience and I treasure that do you like the ones that you find that are already
1: created or do you like to create them for yourself
0: I have never been able to create one really Really? I have not done that yet. That has not been something that has been a part of a congregation that I've done. So there's either been one already present, Mm -hmm. such as at peace, or I've found them in the wild. So there are lots of labyrinths in the wild. Okay. And normally they're open to the public. So you can go and find them and walk them any time of day or night. I remember... It must have been an early walk that I did. I did under the full moon, late, late, late at night in Danville. And it was gorgeous. It was beautiful.
1: Now, you say in the wild. This is somebody's just created one and you can search for these online? Or how did you find them?
0: You can. So a lot of places will be a part of a listing. If you look up Labyrinths in My Neighborhood, You may be able to just Google and be able to find where there are some. I know there's one in Northeast Portland. Okay. I need to get the details or we can get those details and add them to our post. We can find
1: and we'll definitely add them to the post if we can find something.
0: Yeah. But all over, I know of one in Ashland, Oregon, because I served down in, in the Medford area. So I would visit the Labyrinth in Ashland, which is, I think, attached to the Episcopal Church. In Ashland. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think if there are others that I know of in Portland. There's one at Holden Village. Mm-hmm. So when people go to Holden, they can go visit a labyrinth. That one is rocks. That would make sense. The Lutherwood one in Washington, not Lutherwood, Oregon. Okay. But Lutherwood, Washington has one that I think is rope. So they're scattered, they're all over. You can find them. Do they
1: show up in the Bible? Is that where this all comes from? Or is this something that has sort of developed?
0: This is a spiritual practice, not something that is particularly grounded in scripture, but a sacred practice. And much like the cathedrals having these around and available, I think that they've come and likely there is deeper rootedness to this. And I have not studied. I have simply appreciated the labyrinths that I have been able to encounter and commend them to people as an opportunity for spiritual practice, particularly in Lent. Mm -hmm. And I think this year, as we continue to wrestle with our isolation and our journey through, there's a lot of different ways that we can use a labyrinth, either to contemplate what it is to be on a journey on our own, and to find our way into a space and look for a different way forward. It can also be a powerful tool if you have something to release, to walk into the center of the labyrinth and then leave an offering in the center and leave that item there as a release and then walk away from it and start something next. It's an excellent practice for grieving to intentionally bring your grief as a walking partner with you to give space and time for that grief And to set in the center that grief and then either to leave it there, if that is where you are ready to do, or to take it out with you in a different way. Mm -hmm. So those are all incredibly powerful practices that the labyrinth could be a phenomenal tool right now in this time where we're hitting the anniversary mark of shelter in place and so many hundreds of thousands lost to coronavirus.
1: Yep. Well, that's going to lead me to my last question. Do you have a favorite one?
0: I think the Chartres Cathedral is probably my favorite design because I'm the most familiar and I've had my most sacred experiences with them. And I will say that one of the most sacred experiences I've had with it happened at the Labyrinth in Illinois. Okay, There's a university there that... Holds the Institute of Liturgical Worship conference on a regular basis. Okay. And that labyrinth, I had a particularly meaningful journey and am incredibly grateful for my experience of it.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about labyrinths. I look forward to sitting
0: down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And if you are curious, please look up Labyrinths, learn more about them, find one in your neighborhood. And if that happens to be Northeast Portland, start to look for hours, which will hopefully be up by the middle of February here in 2021 for at least a little while. Stay safe, wear your masks, be kind, and remember, God loves you no matter what.